Hello, hello. Welcome to the Great Obsession Podcast, where we are obsessed with talking. (laughs) I'm Riley. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Sam. (laughs) And today we're talking about the Shadow and Bone TV show. So if you have been listening to our recent episodes, you have heard us uh, discuss our thoughts on the Shadow and Bone series and recently the Six of Crows series. And now... We have both watched the show, unfortunately not really together because we live on opposite sides of the country, but we have each watched it and we've not really shared our thoughts like over text besides a few surface level things. So I'm like actually really excited to know what you think of this show. Yeah, I'm really curious. Um, I think this will be a very interesting discussion. I feel like we always pull out like different things. Mm -hmm. Um. I will also say we are specifically talking about season one of Shadow yes. and Bone. Um, at this point of recording, season two has not come out yet. Um, we also, I would say, are likely to have, well, obviously, spoilers for the entirety of season one, Shadow and Bone, but also, I think, spoilers for the entire Shadow and Bone trilogy and Six of Crows duology. So if you haven't read any of those or seen the show, you've been warned. Proceed with caution. Yes. And also, like we've said in previous episodes, we have a tendency to swear occasionally. So if you have sensitive ears listening, this may not be the podcast for you. And with that, what are you drinking tonight? Um, Having a tea? water actually no so (laughs) this is so off topic but uh jack and i are on like a like a post holiday post rough season um sugar detox Mm. because we just have like gone hard on the sweets yeah to the point where it was like Every night we were craving like a sweet. We were like, where's my hit? And so <laughs> we have this week, we were like, all right, we're not we're not doing the sweet game. Because um, normally, like I kid you not, for like the last month, we've had some kind of dessert every single night. It's insane. And so we haven't been doing sweets at all this week. But then tonight we had a buy one, get one free coupon for this like really good cookie from this local like bakery mm-hmm. thing. So we went and we got cookies and we could each only finish half of a cookie because oh they're so intense. But all that to say is it was just super rich and really tasty, but I I just need water at this point. Like I need to like <laughs> cleanse. It was like a bit much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that feeling when especially if there's chocolate involved and it's super rich, like so chocolatey. I need water ASAP. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a hot chocolate. I'm switching it up having a hot beverage tonight um it's starbucks brand hot chocolate too so they listen i'm mad about it but they know what they're doing with the hot chocolate i know like why why starbucks like why do i have to support starbucks in order to get good hot chocolate i know i literally hate that i know we are um big coffee fans and tragically we do go to starbucks pretty frequently but it's just because of ease of access but we're not huge supporters of starbucks the corporation (laughs) (laughs) yes we love starbucks drinks but um starbucks the corporation 
this is a hate account. They suck. Downvote. Yeah. Big thumbs down. But they're hot chocolate slaps. So <laughs> I bought a, and this is like so not, this is so capitalist of me. I bought Starbucks hot chocolate, like the powder on Amazon. <laughs> so I'm supporting two corporations. Yeah, you did. Because <laughs> I didn't want to go into Look the Starbucks. At you. So yeah, here I am. But oh my gosh, it slaps so much. It's like the semi-sweet hot chocolate. I can never go back. I know. It's just. I know. Well, yeah, because you have like Swiss Miss or whatever. And you're like, mm, why does this taste bland? Yeah. Yeah. I need like the, a more complex flavor because I'm just. <laughs> oh my God. So sophisticated. <laughs> just so elegant and chic that like simple flavors don't do it for me anymore. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's what I'm well, drinking tonight. Now that we've talked about um, hot chocolate for the last two minutes, uh, overall thoughts of Shadow and Bone, the series? Yes, yes. My overall thoughts are that this shit slapped, if I'm being honest. Like, I, okay, I went in mm-hmm. with no expectations because I... I didn't know anything about the show. I'm not really in, like, the Grishaverse fandom because, like, we blasted through the series so fast and I just have not, like, gotten into the online spaces the way I have with other, like, I guess, book fandoms like Akatar and stuff. But, so I had no idea, like, what the general reception of the show was. I had no idea if people liked it, if it was good, if it was, like, the Aragon movie or the Percy Jackson movie where everyone hated it. Like, <laughs> I, I just had no clue. So I... And I had looked at the casting of everyone just because as I was reading each series, I, I kind of wanted to have an idea of like what they might mm-hmm. look like. So that's all I knew. And I will say my expectations were exceeded. I did not expect it yeah. to be as good as it was. I thought it was going to like really derail the plot. And I knew that like the crows were involved and so they were going to get their own plot line, but I didn't think it would actually be interesting, and it was. So I was impressed by that. So yeah, overall, I was I was really impressed by the show, and the casting I thought was all, for the most part, like super amazing. So I definitely have like my some complaints and like some gripes, but overall, like I actually really enjoyed it. What did you think? Did you have similar thoughts? I did. Okay. So I I think maybe I went in pretty skeptical okay, yeah um if you've listened to our shadow and bone <laughs> um podcast episodes you know i was not like a huge fan of the series itself mm-hmm. um and so i think knowing that that storyline was sort of like the central storyline happening i was a little bit skeptical about that and i was also pretty skeptical about how they were going to work in the crows mm-hmm. Um, I love them and I was really concerned that they were gonna, I don't know, just like totally ruin them. And I think, yeah, it just exceeded my expectations across the board. I low key, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I sort of think that the shadow and bone content in the TV show was better than the books, at least in this first series. For no, me. yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think there were some areas because they were splitting storylines with the crows. There were some areas that I think were a bit underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it'll be okay. I think I think they'll be able to like patch things up in season two. But um, yeah, there were certain things that I had some gripes about. But overall, I was really, really pleased. I think the casting was really good. Mm-hmm. I think that was a big part of why I liked the Shadow and Bone uh, storyline better in the show was because I actually felt like the actors were like emotive in a way that the characters in the book were totally. not um and so I actually felt like in the tv show a lot of these characters had more personality than they had in the book and that was something I really appreciated so I'm hyped for season two. Oh my I, god I really, me too. I enjoyed this me too I would watch it again honestly like the minute I finished it I was like mm-hmm. hmm, I kind of want to watch it again <laughs> like it, I really liked it so I agree. Yeah. I think as we talk about it then. Oh, wait. Let's do our rating first. What would you rate this show out of 10? Um, it's hard because there's a lot of factors. Would I rate this show out of 10? Yeah, there are a lot of factors. Um, I would go probably like a 7.5 or 8 somewhere a 7.5 that's what i'm gonna land on okay i like that i think i will say eight for now and we'll see if that changes after our discussion all right so i think the best way to talk about this show is to go character by character because there's there are a lot of characters and yes (laughs) we gotta go fast (laughs) yeah um this way we we can also like talk about the casting of each one and like the storylines and stuff like that um i think it'll all happen as we go through the characters so would you prefer to start with the shadow and bone characters or the crows let's start with the shadow and bone characters because if we don't have enough time the crows were perfect perfect casting no complaints and so that like i have more to say but i think that sums them up for now yeah versus i have more nuanced thoughts with the shadow and bone cast Mm, okay so okay 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 so let's start with alina then our main character Mm -hmm. who we both i feel like had a lot of gripes with in the the book (laughs) because she's annoying she doesn't have a lot of personality she's just annoying i don't i don't know what else to say mm-hmm. um i i felt a little differently about her in the show what did you think of the casting first of all the alina casting so i really like this actress um i thought that she was very like personable like mm-hmm. they she was a character i think the big problem with alina in the book is the whole time you're like, I don't really want to root for you because you're kind of annoying. Versus I think this actress, even though obviously Alina is doing, you know, it's the same, she's like doing the same actions that she does in the book. Overall, she's pretty much the same character. Like we don't see any huge like personality shifts or anything. Mm -hmm. But I think the actress makes her a lot more likable. Um... It was interesting to me because originally when I looked at the cast, I did not have any thoughts about um, race. Mm -hmm. When I saw the casting, I was like, ah, she seems like a good Alina. Right. 
had no further thoughts. I think maybe because Shadow and Bone isn't super descriptive on how people look, or maybe it's just like a one-off description and it, it's not really revisited. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really think twice about that. Um, but obviously, they did make her shoe, or that they like were like she's shoe, and and that's a plot point because that's why she feels so like isolated. And you see instances of racism, mm-hmm. and all these different things in the show that are not present in the book. Yeah, and at least, I mean. For me, initially, I was a little taken aback because I was like, I don't, I don't understand why we're making such a big deal about this. But I will say by the end of the series, I was like, oh, I understand a bit more why they were doing this because they really wanted to drive home this point that she felt isolated and she felt like an outsider. Um, and so they felt like bringing in race made her more tangibly an outsider, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I thought that she was a great casting before I knew that, like, they were going to make race a main point of the storyline. What did you think? I also thought she was a great Alina. Because I, I feel like, kind of like you said, she added some interest to the character that that even though Alina's like this show was pretty close to the book so like mm-hmm. um a lot of the kind of annoying or frustrating things that Alina does like she was still doing but she had this kind of charisma about her that made you like you said want to root for her and and she had chemistry with all of like the the actors the, the other actors the yes. other characters and so you could see her kind of building these relationships and like doing her best to fit in and yeah i just i thought that the the actors did a great job of of making alina more likable than mm-hmm. she was in the book and and i agree like the the race element to me like when it was first introduced i was like oh is this going to be like a super interesting plot point and like i think mm-hmm. like you said it just kind of added another reason why she feels like an outsider it wasn't it didn't end up being like a super compelling plot point but i don't yeah. know made it a, a little more interesting i know it's in, i have some complicated thoughts because part of me was like oh like couldn't we have cast a non-white person in this and not had to make it like a plot point you know i there was like a part of me where i was like why can't alina just be played by this actress and we don't have to like come up with other reasons for why we should make race part of the plot mm-hmm. i don't i thought it was like i i did feel like it served a purpose i just don't know that it was like necessary i thought she was a great casting hands down right like regardless um yeah but yeah yeah that was just kind of an an, an interesting element to me um i will say Huge props to both the actors, but also the casting director. But the fact that Alina and Mal have actual chemistry in this show is the greatest saving (laughs) grace. It's so funny to me that like these two people on this TV show have more chemistry than the characters in the book had. Because normally it's the opposite. Normally, like, you're the book, you're like, there's so much chemistry, it's insane. And then you kind of lose that in the show. Yeah. Um, 
But I think the fact that her and Mal have so much chemistry makes me way more interested in their storyline for future seasons. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to be like, Ugh, yeah, stop, you know? Right. No, it's so true. So. Because in the books, like, when Mal comes back into the story, I was kind of like, ugh, like, Mal was holding you back, mm-hmm. girl. Like, he's so annoying. Like, lose him. Yes. Uh, and I, And I didn't feel that way. Like, when he came, when they reunited in the show, I was like, excited to see what their dynamic was like and what was going to happen and and I was pleased with the outcome I feel like Mal's character just really got like a a facelift in this show because (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) he is the fucking worst in the books and he was so sweet in the show I really liked him and I thought I really liked him too um what'd you think of the the casting like the actor I actually really liked him. I know I this sounds um a little shady to say. I know we had some initial beef mm-hmm. because in stills he doesn't like the still photos from this. He's not he doesn't look like this super like haughty suave boy right. the way he is kind of portrayed in the books like because in the books that's a huge plot point is that he's a big flirt and like all the girls want to get with him because he's so hot and they sort of sanitize that part of the character um i ended up really liking the actor i felt like like you said he was sweet he was he came across as like pretty sweet pretty genuine not flirty and like kind of suave charismatic we didn't really get that which i think that does play a role in his future characterization so i'm curious to see what happens with that but Mm -hmm. i actually i liked him i he didn't match the description in the book but i barely remember what he was supposed to look like in the book and he was such a snooze that i prefer this guy for sure no yeah i agree in the book he doesn't really get much of a physical description like i had a hard time picturing him in the book and eventually i got he's supposed to be blonde i think he? he is supposed to be maybe maybe he's supposed to be blonde i pictured a blonde guy I'll google it <laughs> i don't remember what his description said though and i also think this actor um like he's got his head shaved you know because he's in the military so mm-hmm. which is accurate right i mean he, it's he's described in the book as having his his head shaved but i'm hoping maybe in oh. later seasons he, he can grow out his because like the kid version of him had this curly hair and i think he would look cuter if he had some more hair so mm-hmm. like there's definitely potential um for that and i i also thought that like just the way that he like his mannerisms and the way that he interacted with people made him more attractive definitely mm-hmm. so i agree i yeah. liked him a lot and i will oh, what were you gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say i will say that was jack's like biggest complaint and once he said it i was like damn you're so right but Mal should have died so many times yeah. in this series. Like, he gets shot and everyone else dies and he manages to kill everybody. And then he just walks back to Ravka and, like, back to camp. Right. With just a whole ass bullet like, wound. How did he get back? And then he's like, yeah, no idea. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to yeet and go to the little palace still with the bullet wound. And he, like, gets stabbed and I don't know. I was like, this man is really having a rough 
however long this is supposed to be. <laughs> I know. And, okay, for listeners, because we didn't bring this up earlier, and they're, if they're like, who's Jack? Sam and Jack watched this together, and Jack has never read the yes. books. Right. Knows nothing. Right. Yeah. No, he didn't know. And I think that's actually a good point that I maybe should have brought up at the beginning. So he has never read any of the books, had no context whatsoever. And he actually tried to watch this TV show on his own and was so confused by like the initial plot and everything. He was like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what the fold is that he stopped that he didn't watch past episode two. So he watched the whole thing with me. And I was kind of explaining things along the way. And I got to say, I don't know if it was just him, but for somebody who had never read any of the books or anything, he was so much confusion. He was like, I don't understand what's happening, especially with the end. There was like a lot of confusion there. And so that does make me a little bit concerned about future seasons because I really want to get to the Crows main content. Um, but I just don't know how accessible this is for people who aren't already fans of the books. Yeah, I know. That's an interesting point because I, I have not heard any feedback from anyone who has seen the show and not read the books. But I feel like it would be confusing because they just kind of gloss over things like The Fold and Merzost and just like all that <laughs> And the geography is never really explained. So you're like, where is Ketterdam? I feel like that's what I'd be thinking. Like, how how long mm-hmm. do you have to travel from Ketterdam to Ravka? And like, where is Fierda? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of hard. Yeah. No, the geography was definitely confusing for him. I had my book. So I like whipped it open and I was like, okay, they're here. They're okay. here. And, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, it just is super... I think there was just a lot of finer points that were really confusing. And I think the book itself, like the Shadow and Bone trilogy, as far as the magic system goes, mm-hmm. it it is kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. I don't think like the Merzost thing is never fully like explicitly explained. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Bagra's role was really minimized in the TV show, mm. which is kind of which is a con I have. Yeah. And I think because she was minimized, she does a big part of the heavy lifting of explaining everything that's going on. Right. And so without her, I, I there was just like a little bit of gaps, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Uh, speaking of Bagra, I was watching the show the whole and the whole time. I was like, she looks so familiar. Why does she look so familiar? Like it was driving me crazy. And then, isn't she the 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 um, broomstick yes, teacher lady, Madam Hooch in Harry Potter? It just like occurred to me. I was like, oh my god, wait, is it the same lady that plays Madam Hooch in Harry Potter? And sure enough, she is. That's why she looked. Listen, familiar. she hasn't aged a no, day. No, she hasn't. She looks like exact exact same. I was shook. Yeah, props to her. <laughs> yeah, good for her. Because, yeah, but no, I agree. Like, it's... Bagra was not in the show as much as she is in the book. And so we kind of lose some of the explanation that she provides. But, um, oh, one thing I wanted to say. Going back to Alina and Mal, um, 
when Mal finds Alina after, you know, she escapes the little palace, I remember in the book, I hated this moment so much because Alina, like, kind of tells him what went down with her and the Darkling, and he gets so, like, possessive and, like, says all these nasty things to her. And in the show, he was just like, you don't have to explain, like, I'm just happy you're safe. And I was like, oh, a king. I was obsessed. Truly. (laughs) Truly. I feel like, I feel like they're going to give Mal such a better story arc to the point that, because I think we were both a little unsatisfied with the end of the trilogy. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is we were never really rooting for Mal and Alina together. Mm -hmm. And we just like simply weren't really rooting for Mal in any capacity. I was like, you could leave and that would be ideal. Versus I think the way they're setting up this Mal, I think by the end, I'm going to feel really like satisfied Mm -hmm. with their ending much more so than I felt with the books. So I'm I'm actually really pleased with what they do with Mal. Book two is a rough time for Mal. That's his, that's his lowest. So I am curious to see what they do with that, with the introduction of Nikolai and everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so curious what they're going to do when Nikolai comes in. But I am, I mean, I'm excited to see it. Because I, I think, I mean, Lee Bardugo has said that she kind of regrets what she did with Mal's character when she first wrote the series. You know, it was her first series. And then she was super mm-hmm. involved with the making of this show. And so I thought it was really nice. I feel like she kind of got this second chance to, like, make Mal into what she envisioned for him and, and tell a story of, of the character she wanted uh, when she just didn't quite have the skills, maybe, to write that character initially. Mm-hmm. So that made me really happy. Wow. Yeah, I love that for her. Me too. Um, on the topic of Alina and Mal, I also want to talk about the Darkling. <laughs> so. Yes. He was the um, only casting that was like someone I had heard of before. So that I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. Agreed. Like they kind of got like a, a, a known. A noted hottie to play in the Darkling. <laughs> yes, they did. A, not- a notorious hottie. <laughs> and I, I thought he did a great job. I loved the Ben Barnes Darkling. So did I. I thought, well, first of all, he's an incredible cast. I think, so Ben Barnes is 41 years old, shook. which boggles my Literally mind. Shook. But I think, and everyone else in this cast is like mid-20s. And so the fact that he was actually so much older, I think, played into his character and his dynamics with the other cast members. Because he is. He's like 15 years their senior. And he's obviously, the Darkling is like 100 years their senior. Right. And But I think that like maturity came through, which I really appreciated. I also think that major kudos to Ben Barnes for being able to play that like duplicity and manipulation without coming across as a total villain. Yes. I think like in our Shadow and Bone episode, we talked about how the end of that book is kind of frustrating because the Darkling goes from being like this like, ooh, like sexy, dark do we like him? Do we not kind of thing Mm -hmm. to like a creepy old man? Mm -hmm. And 
that was not the case with this Darkling. In the TV show, he was much more like a little bit shadier on the upfront, mm-hmm. I think. But then on the back end, I think was so much more compelling than the Darkling in the book. Mm-hmm. Also, we got that flashback flashback. scene. What did you think of that? I loved that because we got to see the creation of the fold, which I love a backstory and it made sense to me. And I loved like seeing that he had had a girl who he loved. I just feel like that kind of explains a little bit more why like he's so lonely and he's so jaded uh, because they killed his girl because they they were persecuting the Grisha. And so it it like explains why he's kind of made it his whole life mission to, to make Mm -hmm. the Grisha powerful. And I did like make a note um, in the flashback episode. I have an all caps bullet point. Why didn't he kill them all first before they killed his girl? Cause like in that scene, like they were showing up all these people, these king's men or whatever, and and you just know, like I was like, the girl's gonna die, but like the darkling has the power to kill them all. Why didn't he just? He killed them all after they killed his girl. I was like, bro. But I mean, that's- I know. I because I had the same thought, but I think he was just like trying to be good and like prove that Grisha were not like killers uh-huh. and like not inherently bad. That he was trying to get out of it in any other way and then he just was he like literally snapped yeah that's true that's true that would make sense like the one time he tried to be good it didn't work out so then he was like i have to resort to drastic measures all the time and that's what he does Mm -hmm. so that would make sense yeah also what did you think of his um his chemistry with alina um i thought it was okay same i think the chemistry in the book like the first book is a little is better Mm -hmm. i think honestly they didn't have a ton of screen time together. no they didn't which was interesting so yeah their her time at the little palace in general was very brief and pretty underdeveloped for me that that's like one of my critiques is i wish we had just had more development there because I also think um Jenya was really underdeveloped compared to what we get in the book um but I think because they just didn't have that much screen time it was a little bit jarring when they were like making out Mm -hmm. but I was like I know what's like I have the background of the books here to be like okay yeah this is how this goes but I think just generally as a viewer, I was like, whoa, this feels a little out of left field. Yeah. No, I felt the same. Like it was sudden and like I knew it was coming. So it wasn't surprising. And I did like, I think in my notes, it says something like this makeout scene is hot. Not going to lie. Cause like Ben yeah. Barnes is just really hot, but <laughs> there wasn't a lot of buildup. Like there is in the book, like in the book, they have so many moments together where there's chemistry mm-hmm. and there wasn't too much of that. So that was a little disappointing, but I mean, they were giving screen time to the crows, so I can't complain. Yeah. But I did, like, I think yeah. at one point they, they said something like, oh, Alina's well, been at the Little Palace for two months. And it was like, like, if I had not read the book and known how long she was there, I would have been like, that was two days. Like, she's not there for very long. Yeah. 
Yeah. She, it seems like it's so brief and the, um, like whole performance in front of the king just feels like it happened so fast. I'm like, wait, does she even know how to use her power yet? I, the whole, the power training montage was just not there for Mm me. I know that they like have a few little things, but I don't, that part I felt like was really underdeveloped. And honestly, I, as somebody who's read the books, left the series, like the end of the conclusion of the the series. And I was like, wait, so like, what is her power level? Because she never does the cut. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, I'm I'm a little confused as to what she's capable of now. Right. She just like creates a lot of little suns like yeah which the way that they did they like showed her power was interesting and i was kind of nervous about this going in because like magic the way it's described in books it often doesn't come across as cool or as like beautiful in (laughs) yeah in shows it can look kind of corny so i was wondering i was like worried it was gonna look corny and i feel like it it did look a little cheesy to me especially when like when Mm -hmm. she first uses her power and it's like I don't know it it just it wasn't quite what I pictured like I just pictured a lot of warm light always emanating from her instead of like actual suns that she's like creating in the air I don't know yeah the like an especially this is so not funny but this when it came on when it happened on screen I was like this is hilarious to me. Jack also thought it was quite funny. But like when she says, so at the very beginning when they're on the skiff and like Mal gets attacked and she's like trying to help him and like a, um, oh my gosh, what are they called? A Volcra like grabs her and she's like floating up mm-hmm. but like using her power. And so she's like kind of glowing and it's just her head yeah. just like zooming away. I was like, what's? I didn't even, I was like, is she using her power right now? What's happening? I was confused. I was like, this is such a weird scene. Yeah. Um, So I was not crazy about like glowing Alina. Yeah. I know she, because in the book, she like emanates light, but I never mentally was like, oh, she's glowing. No. I was like, no, she's more like a light bulb. (laughs) You know, she's like bright, not glowing i don't know yeah i agree the power it was it it was different than i imagined it but but it was fine i i definitely worse yeah it was okay i definitely wasn't picturing orbs no me either it was always beans (laughs) in my the word orbs just like triggers me (laughs) because if you've read fan fiction you know (laughs) you know his green orbs um it's green. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't bring it back. Leave it. Leave it in the past. <laughs> yeah, all that to say, um, I thought the Darkling's power came across pretty well. Um, I actually would have liked to see like a little bit more of his power, honestly. Yeah, no, I agree. And there were a few instances, like with Arkin, I think. Where he, like, killed, and I was like, I don't understand. How did he just kill him? Did the shadows eat him? Unclear. Unclear. Yeah, well, the thing is, the Darkling's power's not ever, like, super explained in the book, either. 
It's just mm-hmm. like he's a summoner of shadow and the shadows move around. But like, how do they kill people? Why can't Alina's sunlight kill people? Unless she like she has to use the cut to kill people. Do you have anything more to say about like the shadow and bone people? I guess we well, haven't really talked I, about like Jenya and Zoya. So yeah, let's talk about Zoya. Okay. Because I wasn't thrilled. I wasn't either. Um, I first of all, I have some mixed thoughts about the casting. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end, I was like, all right. I guess I could like get behind it, you know, mm-hmm. but I think the rest of the casting was so stellar to me that to have Zoya, who I think gets some of the most description of all of the characters, like her, mm-hmm. the way she looks and the way she comes across and her behavior is like very much so present um, in the books. And she is like, she's like, this bitchy gal but kind of in like a very like she's very powerful she's confident Mm -hmm. she's mean she's beautiful and I just never felt like any of those were ever fully driven home like she just was fell flat to me which she's a character that I end up really enjoying in later books I find her Mm -hmm. really entertaining so I was a little underwhelmed by her. Loki, I was like, why are they hugging at the end? Yeah. I was like, why are we having this like cutesy moment? I'm not about it. That isn't the character arc that I want for Zoya at this point in the story. So it was a little disappointing. Yeah. No, I agree. If we're like looking at the cast as a whole, Zoya was the one that I was most disappointed about with the casting. It's like, Same. it was fine. Like, I just the it did the casting did not capture like you said like the hot mean girl vibe that Zoya has mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's because of the writing of her um or if it was the acting choices or both cuz like for one the actress doesn't look, really look like I pictured Zoya but looks aren't the end of the world Same. with the casting it's all about like I the agree. energy and I just didn't feel like she had the Zoya energy. Like, the Zoya energy I picture is, like, um, Azula in... This is so random, but Az- yes. Azula from Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, like, hot, mean girl yeah. who's really powerful. And Exactly. The, this lady did not have Azula energy. She just, she just came across as kind of, like, a petty sort of schoolyard bully vibe versus like she's top of the food chain in shadow and bone she and throughout the whole series even when the situations fluctuate she never once like questions her worth never once like is like oh you know i'll help you i can do that she's like no i don't want to do it so i'm not gonna do it yeah And she, like, holds her ground always. And I think, like, yeah, just we got that scene with her and the Darkling that I didn't feel – not that it was out of character. I just didn't feel like it did justice to her character. Mm -hmm. Like, it served her well. Um, And I – I don't know. And even her actions at the end when they're in the fold again and obviously he's, like, using the fold to take out – 
Novo Korbrisk. <laughs> Novo Korbrisk. I definitely said that wrong. But yeah. And we and obviously her backstory there is the same, but I, I don't know. Her behavior in all of that just kind of I don't know. They just set her up to be like a nice girl. And I was like, that's not who she is. No, like she stays mean even once her and Alina have a relationship. Yeah. Like she's mean to Alina still, but in a friend way. She's mean to everyone. Yeah. And like, yeah, and over time it becomes like a really almost like endearing meanness. Yeah. But she never loses that like sharpness. And she, I guess that's what I'm going to say. This this version of Zoya just was never sharp. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think like when I watched this show, um, there's when when you see a movie adaptation of a book or a, sh- a show adaptation, a lot of the times in my head, I will take what I've seen on the screen, like the person and their mannerisms, and I will like replace it in my head with what I originally pictured when I read the book. I'll like adopt mm-hmm. that image because. Um, Everything's very visual in my head when I'm reading. And I feel like this show, the casting was so good that I'm like, I'm taking all of this. If I ever reread this series, I will picture every single person in the mm-hmm. books like I'm seeing on the screen, except for Zoya. Like, I still, I need to picture Zoya as like what I had before I saw the show because she just didn't capture it for yeah. me. I agree. I agree. Now, what did you think about? Genya. So I liked the casting. I liked it. I can't say I loved it. She looks like Genya. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and maybe she just really got underserved by the writing. Like she didn't get enough screen time. Her mm-hmm. and Lena didn't get enough like bonding time on screen that I want. Cause you get so much of that in the book. Like Genya is Alina's only right. friend for a while. And you really get to know her as like this person who has really never had any freedom and is just like doing with her life what she can and who just takes things as they come. And like, I don't know, I just didn't really get any of that. Like the, the storyline about, um, Jenya and the King, like that's a throwaway line. You don't really get that and the emotion behind it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was the acting or if it was just the writing, but I was kind of disappointed with Jenya as well. Yeah, so was I. Because I think part of what makes Jenya's storyline so good is when she does meet Alina, like you said, she's like, she's Alina's only friend, but she's also like, she's like a good time gal, Yeah, you know? And she's fun. Or more importantly, she's funny. She's funny, yeah. And like this... This version of Jenya was never funny. No. She was never... It was like she was almost serious in all of her scenes. Like it was always like, you know, her sad backstory. Beware the Darkling or he need The Darkling wants you in this very specific outfit look, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And like it was always kind of heavy when she was there or there was just like some... Like, the stakes were high or felt like they were getting high. Like, she was always bringing bad news somehow, which is not the Jenya in the books. Like, 
in the books, Jenya's the opposite, where when she comes in on screen, you're like, okay, this is going to be more of a lighthearted scene, which is why when we do get the backstory with the king and everything, it has so much more weight, I think. Like, it feels much more heavy and emotional Mm -hmm. because the Jenya we've seen up until that point has been pretty lighthearted, pretty go-lucky. You don't realize that she actually has this pretty complicated and traumatic backstory Mm -hmm. that she's just kind of silently dealing with. Um, And so I think that maybe that's why... Like, she just never got the opportunity to even be that character. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to really reserve on the actor because I agree. I think... She fits the bill uh, visually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she has potential. Like the one scene I can think of is the scene with David. Yes. Where I was like, I, I enjoyed I that. that I thought that was entertaining. Um, side note, David didn't look anything like I pictured nope. him, but I thought the actor played him really well. Yeah. At first I was like, who is that? And why is he being creepy? Yeah. And then... Later on, I was like, ah, David. It's David. Classic. Um, but yeah, I just, I think she, I think just underserved. I'm hoping for more in future mm-hmm. books. But the thing is, is Shadow and Bone is like really Jenya's book. Yeah. And so I, I just don't know what more we're going to get. Yeah. TBD. Here's the thing. So Shadow and Bone... I mean, the show is is both about the Shadow and Bone and the Six of Crows characters. And Shadow and Bone is the the worst of the two source materials. So I kind of feel mm-hmm. like Shadow and Bone is where we we lost some things. Like we lost a lot of Jenya's, you know, character building and storyline. Um we we lost a lot of the time spent at the little palace and stuff like that. But then we gained so much good shit from the crows Mm -hmm. like it was so good i was absolutely shook to my core every time they're on my screen honestly like first of all let's just pivot completely yeah jesper oh my god jesper 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 i am obsessed with him in the books and I didn't think I could get more obsessed with him and then I saw him in this show and I would die for him. I love him. Uh, phenomenal. Across they're all phenomenal. Like Kaz, Inej, 10 of 10. Kaz and Inej's chemistry, we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a minute, but focusing on Jesper, I think not only did the actor nail him, mm-hmm. But I think the writing really got him too. I agree. I, and the directing. I really felt like they they knew the assignment, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think it was fun because the, the Crow's storyline was all made up. And so, like, when I was watching Shadow and Bone scenes take place, I knew more or less what was going to happen because it didn't deviate very much from the plot, mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't want it to deviate. But it was fun having this element of, like, I didn't know what was going to happen with the Crow's storyline. I was on the <laughs> edge of my seat all the time. So that was really nice as, like, a reader watching an adaptation of something I've read 
to still get to be excited about what's going to happen next because there was like this whole new Mm -hmm. element with characters I know, but a whole new storyline. And the writing was so good. Like Jesper, I agree, was the comic relief we all needed because everyone else in this show was so serious and so intense. Yeah. So the, the crows I felt like gave a lot more of like the, just more of a chill and comedic vibe than, um, cause mm-hmm. Jesper, especially he just doesn't take himself seriously. And he's always joking around with literally everyone. And he was the gun twirling he was doing. Uh, so literally obsessed. Did the actor have yes. to learn to do that? Like, that's what I want to know. I I assume so. <laughs> I mean, he was really... I don't think that's something that special effects can do for you. And he was definitely the one doing the twirling. Yeah, I, I feel like he just learned. I don't know. I thought about that, too, every time he was spinning him around. It was funny because Jack... First of all, Jack loved Jesper, his favorite character by far, um, he did say, he was like, oh yeah, when we're in the Crows content, I'm 100% more invested. I always know what's going on. They're way more entertaining. It was when they pivoted to the shadow and bone stuff where he was like, wait, I'm a little lost. Mm-hmm. I don't know who these people are. They're much less compelling. Yeah. I don't really understand what's happening. Fair. So I do think the Crow stuff came across a lot clearer, um, which makes sense. There's no magic in their storyline. Right. So. It's, like, pretty straightforward. But with Jesper, he was like, maybe if he stopped twirling his gun so much, he could actually shoot something. I was like, fair. He is doing a lot of gun twirling. He is, but, like, it gives the the bravado that Jesper has in the books. Mm -hmm. It was so perfect. And his outfits. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I was so happy with the outfits. It was just, like, what I pictured. Also, okay, can we talk about settings for a second? Ketterdam? Looked exactly like I imagined, like perfect dark, like a little bit steampunk, like somewhere you don't really want to be. It's like dirty and crowded. Mm-hmm. Like I-, I loved it. I thought it was so good. Ravka, there wasn't. I don't know. There's not as much for me to talk about there. Yeah, yeah, and Ravka also. I guess maybe because it's like such a big area. There was just like, I was always generally confused as to what the like climate is supposed to be yeah i was like is it cold is it flat (laughs) i don't know it was fine i was also this is a little bit off topic but i was confused so nina and matthias's Mm storyline um i enjoyed them i think I've really gone off rails. I've really hopped off of Jesper and gone straight. That's okay. I'm ready. But on. I think that. So I really love Nina. I love her casting. I think she's fantastic. Um, I don't love Matthias's accent. (laughs) I like the casting, but I don't love his accent. Um, But what I was gonna say is, I felt like their storyline while I did enjoy it when they were on screen I think the pacing was just way off I think they should have waited until like season two or something to introduce them because it was they weren't like really in I don't know that they were in every episode I just felt like I was forgetting about them and it would jump back to them and I was like wait what are they doing again 
And I got confused because were they not in Fierda? I don't understand how they I don't understand how they got to like the inn at the end. Oh. I don't actually Did remember this. I mean, this was it's in Six of Crows, their backstory, but somehow they I think they might have maybe landed on like the border of Fierda and Ravka and so they kind of ended up in this inn in northern Ravka. That's what I remember because Nina in the books was able to accuse Matthias of being a slaver so that he could get taken back to Ketterdam, which like if they had been in Fierda, that's that wouldn't have happened. Well Yeah. They definitely weren't in Fierda anymore because there's like a line about that where they're trying to figure out where to go next. And but I just had thought that originally, like when the boat crashed, they like found themselves in Fierda and that's where they got their furs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not not a huge deal. I just think knowing that they're not introducing Wylan until season two, I sort of think that maybe Nina and Matthias also could have held off just because, once again, Jack hadn't seen any of it. Mm-hmm. and. To add in a third, like, geographic location with another duo that never links up with everyone else was just, like, a little bit hard to track if you didn't already know the storyline. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could see that. Because, like, I honestly was loving every every time Mina and Matthias came on my screen. But I could see how, like, for Jack, having never seen the show, like these two random characters who are completely unrelated, you'd be like waiting for their storylines to connect. And then they just don't mm-hmm. until I guess at the end, Kaz and Inez are saying yeah, they need like a, a heart render. Scene. But yeah. Um, but I did love watching their storyline because to me, like it was straight out of the book. I felt like it was maybe the truest to the book of everything in there. Mm-hmm. Like the, even the quotes were the same and it was like just what I pictured. It was like a, a, it's just so magical to me to get to watch something play out on screen that I pictured in my head. And that's what I felt like happened with Mm -hmm. Nina and Matthias. Also the Nina casting literally blew me away. I think that was my favorite casting of the whole thing. Like she just really had Nina in her eyes and like the way that she talked, like she was so charming she was so charismatic, so energetic, constantly. Like, I was just, mm-hmm. I liked her even more than I liked book, Nina. I was, I'm obsessed. Yes. Yes. No. And I was thinking about it and I was like, damn, when Matthias dies in Dude. A Crooked Kingdom, I was like, with this kind of buildup, that's going to hit gonna so hard. Because it hit in the book, but I was like, mm, you know. I, we've talked about our feelings with Nina and Matthias in the books mm-hmm. previously, so I won't go back into it, but I think it's going to hit 10 times harder in the show because already I feel like I am more emotionally attached to them than I was in the books. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially Nina, because like in the books, she mm-hmm. kind of like she has less of an arc and she's just maybe a little less compelling than some of the other crow characters but she just like was so captivating to me like her energy is so special and she has this Mm -hmm. like magic to her that i feel like 
not everyone she didn't maybe have in the book i don't really know what it is but i was so obsessed with her so yeah i agree it's gonna it's actually gonna ruin me when <laughs> when they have to have a scene where matthias like dies in her arms because oh my god like the oh the dialogue was so good when he was talking to her on the in that ship when she's chained up and she like spits the food in his face like mm-hmm. oh my god it was so good one one thing i do have to say though is when they're um like the ship has crashed and they're like both in the water mm-hmm. and they're like on that the they're like having their jack and rose moment <laughs> yeah. yeah um i was like okay they're clearly in a pool yeah right now this is this is big low budget vibes it's fine no that's- i'm fine with it they the budget went to other places and that's for the best but i i just had to say that in that moment because i was like mm. it's funny because i had the exact same thought i was like shouldn't there be more waves like they're in water there's a storm <laughs> like there should be waves constantly like crashing down over the top of your head like making it just gently rocking yeah no it was just like they were literally just kind of gently rocking like i agree i had the same thought where it kind of took me out of the moment for a little bit where i was like okay we're clearly not in the ocean which is fine it's nitpicky but <laughs> yeah but it's just funny because jack was like i've seen bigger waves in the wave pool <laughs> like, like silver water whatever that's so funny i was like true though yeah no it's true it's true and it's in the grand scheme of things it's not that big of a deal but that's so funny that you guys both like had that same moment of like being kind of taken out of the story because you're like "Mm, there should be more waves here (laughs) yeah it's like this seems sus but i would agree overall i really liked the nina and matthias casting i really liked what they did i just thought it was a little it was just a little bit too much for a first season when you're introducing a world and a magic system and two or three different sets of um, characters. It's kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's true. But I did want to talk also, like going back to other crows, want to talk about oh, yes. Inej and Kaz and Jesper because yes. like the dynamic between the three of them was crazy. It perfect. was so perfect. And I think the dynamic between the three of them holds so true to like the way they come across in the book where they're always very much so a trio. Mm-hmm. But the way they're like linked to one another is really different. Like Inej and Kaz always have this, you know, romantic chemistry. But Inej and Jesper always have this like really intense like brother sister bestie vibes Mm -hmm. and then jesper and kaz obviously are always in this state of tension (laughs) of it's like do they hate each other do they love each other unclear and i really enjoyed that yeah i agree i also thought the casting for all three of them was just so like freddie carter as kaz was crazy like i had a trouble picturing kaz in the book and then mm-hmm. I watched the first episode and I was like, oh my God, this is Kaz. It's him. It's literally it's him. him. Everything about him is so perfect. Like the way he walks with the cane, the way he always like looks like he's scheming and he always looks suspicious yes. of everybody and he's like so serious, but he'll occasionally like crack a joke or like engage in Kaz's ban or in Jesper's banter for like one second. 
and then and then go back to being serious like it's so good i was so obsessed well and i have to give him major props because um his just ever so it was so subtle it was perfect uh softening whenever there was like any kind of inege concern yes. i was like <gasps> yes i love that and i just i just really enjoyed that they definitely laid some foundation for them, but they never pushed it too far, in my opinion. Yeah. Because I think, you know, generally TV shows are more likely to, I don't know, they sort of dramatize things a little right. bit more. And I I think their relationship is so good because it's so subtle and mm-hmm. so slow burn that I really liked. I was super happy with what they gave us and I didn't want anything more. Mm-hmm. You know? Agreed. So I really I really liked that. Um, what did you think of Inej's like her backstory in this? Because it's a bit different than the way we have it in yeah, the book. Yeah, it is a bit different. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I had too many thoughts about it i guess because like the a lot of her character traits pretty much stay the same as like Mm -hmm. she is an acrobat and i loved that we got like this acrobat moment yes that we got to see so great so obsessed um i i felt like we really got to see like the wraith element like with that very first heist they do when she goes into the building and she's like standing behind that guard and like moving Mm -hmm. around behind him so she's always out of his line of sight i was obsessed with that i felt like i don't know i just felt like yeah her backstory changed a little bit but like she captured the character so well that i just didn't have that many thoughts about it i don't know did you have more thoughts no i so Kind of. And they fluctuated over the course of the series, which I will say that was kind of the way I felt about all of the changes, Uh which I think speaks a lot of credit to the showmakers. Because normally when there's a change in an ad, like it's an adaptation and they make some kind of change, I'm always like, I hate it. Versus this one, they made changes and I maybe didn't love it right off the bat. But over time, I was like, okay, I see why. Um, And... With Inej, I loved the casting. I loved the, you know, I love this character. Mm -hmm. I wish that we had gotten a little bit more, like, rooftop content. Because that's really where, like, what her thing is. That's so true. Um, And I wish that they had done a little bit more laying the foundation of her, like, faith earlier on. Yeah. Because I think it didn't totally come across because they were like calling alina a saint Uh and i just even crossing over into the shadow and bone i don't think the sainthood thing was quite articulated enough knowing how much it comes into play in later books yeah i think that like religion as a whole was just a little bit lackluster this season i'm hoping for more in later seasons but that was just something that didn't that I wasn't always totally tracking for Inej's character. And I think my main qualm with the backstory, and like I said, I don't even know if qualm is the right word. I ha- 
I have kind of conflicting feelings, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, I think it's a little bit, I, I didn't understand like exactly what her deal was when they were in Ketterdam because she was like still working for Kaz, but also working at the menagerie. And so I was like, wait, does Kaz already have her indentiture? No, he doesn't. And I was like, why is she allowed to just like kind of come and go as she pleases? And it also, this is interesting, did not really come across what the menagerie was. Oh, really? I knew what it was. Yeah, because I knew what it was. Because I had read the books, but I think it was like implied, but I like Jack didn't really, he was like, I don't, he like, I think trauma plays such a big role in the crow's story later on that i didn't it just didn't come and here's the thing is i'm like well i don't really want it to come across as traumatizing you know like that's not what i want but at the same time i think it was hard to connect why she was so desperate to leave the menagerie that she was like i'm not going back to ketterdam Mm -hmm. because it just didn't quite come across what the dynamics there were oh yeah i guess we didn't get much of that and so maybe for jack he was probably like why does she not want to go back yeah and like why i don't know there's just like i think it came across more like she was maybe just like a general slave which is also traumatic and awful yeah um, but I, I think Inej's backstory just really plays into her character later on that it was just not, I don't know. It just wasn't, it was okay. And I think that they have time. Obviously, they have essentially three seasons mm-hmm. unless they move up the heist timeline. But they have time to kind of articulate that a little bit better. Mm-hmm in future um seasons but that was my one thing where i was like not mad about it i just was maybe questioning some things and like i said like i don't really want to see it yeah i don't think that's necessary to put that on screen i think there maybe was a way to convey it differently i guess is my main okay yeah no i see what you mean this is kind of unrelated, but what do you think, like, we're going to get for Kaz's backstory? Do you think we're going to get, like, a whole graphic thing like we did in the book? I'm, like, so curious because, like you said, trauma plays know. such a role. But, like, in order to understand the trauma, at least in the books, we kind of have to live it with the characters through these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And, like, for a show, it's like, I don't know if I want to see that. Like, Kaz's backstory is really horrific. Yeah, yeah. And what's so challenging is I'm like, well, if they didn't do a flashback, then what, are they going to have him explain it? Which is so no, out No, he would never. Like, I don't even, like, right. And so then I'm like, it's almost, it feels almost like flashback is your only option because there's no other characters available to, like, verbally explain it to you. Yeah. Unless they... And I really hope they don't do this, but I suppose they could just completely eliminate his whole no touching 
storyline. Maybe. Oh, but he wears his gloves in this. Like, oh, they can't eliminate that. It's so important. Yeah, but it just – I know. But it, I think – I think as a viewer, if you haven't read the books, you're like, oh, he just wears gloves. Yeah. It's like part of the costume. Yeah. You don't really think that much about it. I don't think they will because it is such a big deal. I think the fans would riot. I also think Lee Bardugo, it seems like she's had some pretty heavy, heavy influence mm-hmm. in the creation of the series. And I just – I would like to think that she wouldn't like – be okay with them eliminating that part of his character yeah i agree so i guess long story short really long story (laughs) short they have to do a flashback i feel like it's the only option yeah no yeah i agree i agree and i think like you said with lee bardugo being really involved i kind of just want to i guess now like maybe talk about some more general things now that we've gone through like all the cast and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just want to say, I feel like it came through so clearly that she was involved because like I've seen a lot of booked movie adaptations throughout my life. And a lot of them are disappointing because the author is not involved and you can tell that like the story has been Hollywood ified. Like they really like Mm -hmm. make things less interesting. They change the storyline based on what they think will sell better. And it like sucks. And here I felt like so many, like despite the crows having a totally like a storyline, that's totally not from the books at all. I felt like everything that they Mm -hmm. did was so in character and, and the story that was happening was really believable to me knowing these characters and it, like, it honestly, like, I liked it more. I like seeing, like, a connection between Inej and Alina. I love that they got to have, like, their little moment of, like, I've never made met a saint before. Oh, I've never been a saint before. Like, that was so cute. I was obsessed. I know. So I just felt like the author I, involvement came through so well, and I'm so glad she was involved. Yeah. No, I would agree. Um, and I think kind of, like, bouncing off of the Alina Inej moment. It was funny because when the series, when we were all done, uh, I was like, what do you think happens next to Jack? And he was like, oh, I think Inej is going to follow Alina and like protect her. And I was like, what an interesting twist if Inej just went (laughs) off and was like in Alina's whole thing. Because I was like, I don't actually know how they're going to connect the crows with the Shadow and Bone crew again in season two i just really have no idea no clue but to your point i think i was really skeptical of the crow's involvement because i just didn't see how that was going to make sense but because lee bardugo was there it was just so seamless and natural and even when you have like these two characters from these two separate series who never interact in the books, mm-hmm. then interact in the TV shows, but are still true to like their characters, still yeah. very distinguishable in that way, I think really shows that their creator was involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it made me feel like everything I was watching was like canon. You know, like there are so yes. many times where yes. I've watched movies adapted from books i'm like this i'm gonna forget this exists after this like this is not canon but i just felt like everything was so fitting i want to know more about like what thoughts jack had throughout this because i feel like 
you've said a few things here and there, but like overall, did he like the show? Does he want to watch season two? Was he confused? Yes. For most of it? Yeah. So I think the first half was a little bit of a semi struggle. Like the first three episodes, I would say. I think there was just like a lot of confusion on his part. Mm -hmm. We had like we had to stop the show a few times Mm -hmm. for me to just like walk through some things and explain. And like there were a few things where I was like, oh, and like this is significant because of X, Y, and Z. And and so there were a few things in the beginning where there were some pretty fundamental gaps, I think. But by the end he was like totally understanding everything that was going on and um, was really into the characters. He was, he was like, he really stuck on Mal continually, like getting beat up (laughs) and Mal, which I was like, yes, now you understand why I'm so frustrated by him in the books. Cause he was like, why does Mal keep throwing himself into these fights that he clearly can't win? And he's not thinking about it at all. Like, especially in the scene in the skiff where the crows are underneath with Mal. Oh, uh-huh. And Mal's like, I'm going up. And Kaz is like, don't do that. We don't have a plan. Like, there's a ton of Grisha and people who want to kill us. And he's like, well, I don't really care. I'm going <laughs> up. And um, and Jack was like, why is he doing that? And I was like, exactly. That's what we ask ourselves the entire series is why are you doing that, Mal? Interesting. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's funny. The... The Jesper content, he was just, uh, oh my gosh, he was so incredibly here for. Jesper stand. He it was so funny. <laughs> a Jesper stand, through and through. And it's funny because Jesper actually kind of reminds me of Jack. Yeah. Like in their same, like, sort of like witty bravado mm-hmm. and easily distracted. Um, which I think that is another thing. I appreciated how they started sort of working in jesper's grisha skills just Mm, ever so subtly yeah they did and and like his issues with gambling it it was never overt it was never like in your face but they were definitely laying some subtle foundations of you know if you're if you know what to look for it's there but if you don't know what to look for it's not like immediately obvious so i appreciate it so did jack catch on um, to jesper like potentially being grisha or is that only something that like okay. no okay. no i kept that to myself okay. i hope he doesn't he's gonna listen to this episode and be like what what no, he <laughs> he'll be fine um but yeah he loved the the milo the the goat content oh, that was or milo so the goat. funny I was like, what is happening? I love it. Um, He's pretty entertained by that. I think, yeah, I think he probably had the biggest beef with Mal. (laughs) Over the course, he was like, why? (laughs) I know, honestly. Also, um, the heart renders were confusing. I think the different types of Grisha were confusing. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. So we had to stop and we had to explain because he was like, I was he noticed that they were wearing different colors. And so I was like, well, these ones are basically controlling the elements. These ones are basically controlling like, 
humans. And then I was like, the fabricators are. No. I was like, they make stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's really unclear. I was like, they're, they're, yeah, they're doing something with engineering or something. I don't know. Um, but he didn't initially really understand what the heart renders were doing or what Jenya was doing. Okay. So those were kind of which I think makes sense because like the heart renders, people were just like Yeah. You know? And I was like, oh no, they they're like controlling their bodies and he was like, Can they make them like walk and do whatever they want and stuff? And I was like, No. No, they can't. They can't. And I was like, and they can like sometimes control because like Nina makes the guy at the front desk um like nice to her you know she like slows his heart rate down Mm -hmm. or whatever he's like wait so can she like force like can she like control people's minds and i was like no she's just like adjusting his like temperament kind of and so i understood why he was confused um by, like, what was happening there. And he just, like, didn't even notice that Jenya did anything. I think he was like, oh, she's putting makeup on her. Of course. Because guys just, like, don't understand how makeup works. Yeah. And so I was like, no, actually, like, her, she has this power. And it's actually really unique to her. And she's actually low-key pretty powerful. It wasn't until they have the the one girl disguised to look as oh, Alina. Yeah, that he was like, oh, <laughs> So I think the the Grisha powers were hard. Another thing, which I was like, dang, you're right. They did not articulate this at all. He was confused by why the Darkling was immortal and only him. I'm confused by that too. Right. I was like, hmm. I was like, I think it's just because he's like more powerful and he's using like more powerful magics. So they did not make it clear that like they like had a few breadcrumbs here and there Mm -hmm. that oh alina used to look so sickly and she didn't eat very much and now she uses her powers and now she looks a lot healthier Mm -hmm. they like mal made a few comments about that um but jack was like why is he asking her about like how much food she's eating he was like that seems pretty rude because he like (laughs) says something about how she's eating a lot now and i was like you're right that does sound rude yeah there's like context for that no they didn't do a very good job of like presenting this part of like grisha power makes them more healthy when they use it like that's a big point in the book yeah so that was something that was like a source of real confusion the uh oh we can talk about this because when he put the stag first of all he was so certain that the stag was gonna live oh <laughs> it felt so bad he was like he's like it's so maj- majestic and he's like yeah she's saving him and this whole thing and then the darling just like beheads it and jack was like oh, what Rough. <laughs> and i was like yeah sorry um but when the whole thing with the stag antlers and the thing in the darkling's hand, mm-hmm. I – so first of all, when that happened, he and I both were like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Seeing it like sink into her like skin, I was like, that's the grossest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it was gross. 
And then he was like, wait, so he controls her powers now. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. And then when she uh, basically just like stabbed him and knocked the piece of the antler, I guess, out of his hand Mm -hmm. on the skiff, Mm -hmm. Jack was like, okay, so now she's like free, right? They're not connected anymore. And I was like. I don't actually know because in the books that doesn't happen. They are. Yeah. Yeah, and they yeah, that whole little stabby thing doesn't happen, but they're still connected. Yeah. I was just going to say like cuz I want to talk about that scene at the end as well. So that scene in the book like objectively not one of the best scenes in the series. So like the source material for that scene was not strong because it like doesn't make a lot of sense why Alina suddenly has this realization that like oh I showed mercy to the stag and then suddenly she has control over her own power so I wondered how they were gonna do it in this so like I guess I liked that they they kind of had her and the darkling have this physical connection with the antler in his hand but then like like you said she stabs it and it flies out so then how are they going to stay connected? I guess maybe it could be that they both have this power that mirrors each other because she summons light and he summons shadow. So maybe they'll find out there's some kind of connection. But I don't know. I That scene was weird. And then why does the antler like have to absorb into her collarbone so that we don't see it? That doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand that either. And I also was like, wait. Like, she's just absorbed the amplifier. Like, it's still in her. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's what I did. I was like, why did it need to absorb once she takes control of her power? Because, like, she's still it's still in her. Her power's still getting amplified. Right? Right. Yeah, that well, it has it to be. It has to be. I also, low-key, like, I thought it looked gross at first with the the antlers like sticking out of her collarbone but then like when she's on the skiff and she's wearing that fancy outfit i was like okay that actually kind of looks badass so then i was mad yeah you definitely yeah you definitely get used to it and i too was pretty frustrated when it disappeared because i actually am like i feel like it plays an important role the fact that she has this really visible collar that people can see and she like has to keep it hidden right and whenever people see it everybody knows who she is and it's this very physical reminder of the other amplifiers yeah um which i will say that's one other thing when first of all jack did not know who the apparat was he was because there's one line where they're like oh that the king's taken ill. The apparat's in charge now. And Jack was like, who's the apparat? And I was like, he was that creepy man that was there for like <laughs> he was only seconds. There Jack- seconds. Yeah. And he, no recollection, did not know who that was. But then, which I think will be interesting in future um, um, yeah. seasons. But also with Morozova's book that has all of the amplifiers that he, he like shows her. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's literally four pictures, and so Jack was like, oh, is she, is she going to go get the three other amplifiers now? And I was like, there's only two more amplifiers. And he was like, well, then why did it have four? And he, like, looked at it, and he was like, it's, like, the stag, the bird, the, like, sea dragon, and, like, somebody's hand. What? Because that's, like, the that's the picture in the book. Oh, wait, that's so and weird. He, 
And I was like, interesting (laughs) choice. That's weird. So I wonder how that's going to play. I did not examine what was in the book at all. So I'm glad Jack noticed. I know. I did not. I had zero thoughts when (laughs) thinking about it, but I also had zero thoughts. Huh? Okay. Well, that will be interesting to see how they do that. Cause yeah, when you texted me and you're like, this scene like on the skiff at the end is not it. Like it just wasn't it in the book. And I think they tried to save it, but like when the source material is not good, like there's only so much you can do. I think what's hard is the, the explanation for why is just not there. No good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that makes it really, really challenging. Yeah. But I think that explains um, like why the crow's storyline is just so much more compelling because for, for one, it's not really going off of any source material at all, but also the crows themselves, like the material is there. Like the, the characters are really mm-hmm. compelling and have really interesting dynamics. Whereas uh, Shadow and Bone's a little weaker in that area. So the show's trying to make up for it, but like I really feel like the crow's content excels while the Shadow and Bone content is just like, it's good, but I don't know. I'm way more excited about what we're going to see with yeah. the crows in the next season. Before we wrap up, did you have any like favorite moments from the show that you wanted to bring up that we missed? Because like I just really wanted to highlight the moment when Jesper sees Alina walk out of the little palace and get in the carriage. <laughs> I was screaming. That was so iconic. Funny. I was so were we. We were dead. <laughs> like the whole like palace heist thing where they're trying to capture Alina. It was so good. And that part was just... It was really And then good. they come out and just... And they're like, oh, we lost sights of our target. And Jess was like, did we? <laughs> I know, and he's so annoying about it. He's so funny. So good. Were there any other moments like that where you were like, wow, this is the best thing I've ever seen? Not immediately off the top of my head. I thought that the scene where Inej kills for Kaz was like a pretty profound yeah, scene. I forgot about that. Um, I was, I was like kind of sad to see it. Yeah. Just cause I was like sad for Inej, but I thought it was a really, I thought it was really well done. I thought they did a really good job at showing sort of like the crow's devotion to one another, even if they're not necessarily like friends, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I enjoyed the loyalty there and I I thought they showed the depth of Kaz and Inej's relationship really well we kind of already talked about that yeah yeah I agree sick well I'm excited for season two we will catch you next week with more content yep don't know what it's gonna be about yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah me neither (laughs) but we will catch you next week if Anyone listening, if you have thoughts about this show, I would we would love to hear them. So hit us up at our Instagram. It's at the Great Obsession Pod. You can also catch us at our email, which is thegreatobsessionpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and talk about this show because we have so many more thoughts. Like honestly, I if I went through every single episode and nitpicked so many moments, like I could say a lot more. But um That would make a really long episode. So hit us up and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.